Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Ephesians, Who We Are and What We Do in Christ, and was preached on September 12, 2021. We are in the midst of a study of the book of Ephesians, who we are and how we live as believers. And I want you to know that today's passage is different than any other passage we've seen yet in the book of Ephesians. Because Paul, a very organized kind of person, in this passage he chases a rabbit. He starts in verse 1 with a thought, and he won't pick up the end of that sentence until verse 14. And in the meantime, he goes in a different direction to explain how God's grace has operated in his own life. And I'm glad he did that, though inspired by the Holy Spirit, we see kind of a personal side of Paul in this passage that we don't always see. Now, you've met people that chase rabbits. They start a thought, which reminds them of something, which reminds them of a story, which reminds them of a person, which reminds them of their hometown, and pretty sure you're not even sure where they started or or how they got there. And you can get lost in their train of thought. Well, Paul isn't that bad. And if you're going to chase a rabbit and go in a different direction than you originally planned, you can't go wrong by starting in one direction and then moving and talking about God's grace. And that's what Paul did. He talked about God's grace in a very personal way. By the way, grace reminds me of my youngest and most favorite youngest daughter, Larissa. Did you guys know her middle name is Grace? She's beautiful. She attracts boys like... uh, My son Kevin attracts girls. Did you know Kevin is learning to be an EMT? He's been taking vital signs all week long. I wish he'd check mine. I think maybe I have a fever. Is it hot in here or is it just hot outside? Um, Maybe it's climate change. I saw a special on climate change on ABC this week. You know, ABC, hey, ABC, that's Avondale Baptist Church. Oh, yeah, I'm here to preach. Now, you see how that can work, how you chased a rabbit. Well, Paul did that. But he got to the most beautiful subject that he could possibly talk about, God's grace. But not God's grace in the big picture. Jesus died for all kind of way. But in a very personal, this is how God's grace operated in my life. Started with this this phrase here when he said, um, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. And that led him to think about him being a prisoner and his suffering. And then he made an astounding truth. Even my suffering is an example of God's grace. And so I want to think about that. And as we kind of chase this rabbit with Paul, I hope you too can see how God operates, not just in the big picture, God loves everyone and sent Jesus to die on the cross, but how God's grace works in your life on a daily basis. So his truth was, yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I'm suffering. But even that's an example of God's grace. Let's stand together as we read these 13 verses. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. And it reads this way. And you'll be able to see by the dash where Paul started chasing this rabbit. Ephesians 1, 3. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Surely you heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, 
as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. You may be seated. Now we'll pick up his original thought next week in verse 14 and go on for there. But for now, I want you to see Paul's very personal application of God's grace to him. As I said before, he's not just talking big picture. God's grace is an incredible thing to all people. But this is how God's grace, he says, works in my life on an almost daily basis. He's telling the story of God's grace in his life, and I hope that you can do the same. When you think of God's grace, yes, by all means, think of Jesus dying on the cross for all men, but also see it on a personal basis how God's grace, giving you things you don't deserve, treating you much better than, than, than you should, loving you even when you're unlovable. Think about how God's grace works in your life on a daily basis. And so Paul shared four ways, at least, that, that God's grace is working in his life. And the first thing he said, by God's grace, he revealed to me and to you a mystery. And Paul defined that mystery in verse 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't think, because we're not Paul, we can imagine how much of a shock this mystery was to Paul when God revealed it to him. Remember some things about Paul. First of all, as a typical Jew of his day, he hated Gentiles with a passion. We sometimes think that racial issues are a modern thing. No, they're a human thing, and they've been going on from the very beginning. And, and, and so Paul, as a Jew, he hated Gentiles with a passion. And if there was anything that Paul hated worse than the Gentiles, it was Jesus and Jesus' followers. As a young man, you'll remember that Paul was present and gave his approval to the brutal killing of the first Christian martyr, Stephen. But then by God's grace, Paul turned to Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, by God's grace, he learned a truth that even the Old Testament prophets had not understood. Even hints there that even the angels had not understood this. Paul's enemies, he learned. Paul's enemies, both Jewish believers in Jesus 
and Gentile believers in Jesus were now part of Paul's family and heirs along with Paul of the goodness and love of God. That mystery that all followers of Jesus are now family was revealed to Paul and it changed his entire outlook on life. Now think about what it did because Paul was one of the preeminent haters of his generation. And he felt he was fully justified in it. By the way, haters always feel like they are fully justified in their hate. We are God's people, and Jesus and his, his, his followers are pulling people away. We are Jews, God's chosen people, and others are dogs. Uh, he, he had these things, and then suddenly, by revelation from God, which is now given to the entire church, he found out that, you know what? They're family. They're my family. And, and that changed Paul's life. He went from that preeminent hater to the man who wrote the best description of love that had ever been written in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. By, by God's grace, he went from persecuting the followers of Jesus to loving them like family. By God's grace, Paul went from hating Gentiles to the man most responsible for telling Gentiles about God's love. You see, for, for Paul, God's grace was not a one-time, this is when God saved me grace kind of thing. It was an ongoing every day by God's grace. The very heart of Paul was changed when this mystery was revealed to him. That's a mystery. But sometimes the church forgets. We come across to the world today, unfortunately, sometimes too interested in hate than in love. And we'll often focus on hate on other skin colors or other language groups or other political parties or other faiths or those with other customs or who are citizens of other countries. I continue to pray that God will still reveal this mystery to the church today so that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we will live our life like Paul did. Instead of avoiding and hating others who are different than we are, we will spend our lives inviting them in love to join our family. This is an unusual weekend in American life because we've been bombarded in the news all week long with that horrible event that occurred 20 years ago yesterday, September 11, 2001. I want to challenge you as, as Christians to be careful because for some people, reminders of that event just brings out again a spirit of hatred. And we are people of love. And though what they did was evil and horrible and wrong, our response should be they need Jesus and it's our job to tell them. And because of God's love for them and God's love for us and our love for them, we will do all we can because this mystery that all people who turn to Jesus are part of the family, we want them to be part of our family. We don't want to hate. We want to love. And that's part of the mystery that God revealed to Paul and to the entire church. The world says, return hate with hate. God says, return hate with love and invite them into the family. 
So that was the first way that God's grace was, was working in Paul's life. And the second thing that Paul said in this really, literary speaking, great parentheses says, is that by God's grace, he called me to be a servant. Verse 7 and 8. I became a servant of the gospel of the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. I love the way God works. This was, this was one of the preeminent haters of Gentiles, and God gave him the job as a servant, go preach of my love to them. And here's his thinking, and I want to make sure you get this because it impacts how we live our lives today. By God's grace, he said, I get to be a servant. It's not that I have to go and do this. It's not a lowly position that God has given me as some form of punishment. Listen, by God's grace, I get to be a servant of God. It's an honor. I don't deserve it. I should be at the end of the list of people that God would use. I am the, 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 the bottom of the totem pole because I used to work actively against Christ and his people. But God, because of his grace, allows me to work for him. Now, now think about it. How do you see your work for God? Is it a have to? Or is it a get to? For Paul, it was a get to. I get to be God's servant. Yes, his life was tough. And when he wrote as a prisoner for the Lord, understand that it wasn't just words. He was in prison as he wrote this letter. And he would be in prison repeatedly in his life. And over the course of his life, you know his story, he would be shipwrecked, he would be beaten, he would be cursed, he would be hated by Gentiles, he would be hated by fellow Jews, he would be arrested many times and punished in almost every possible way within the Roman Empire. Yes, he would experience days of great victory when people came to faith in Jesus and churches were started, but he would also have days of great defeat in, in which people hated him, yelled at him, screamed at him, and chased him out of town for fear of his life. But through it all, he kept this attitude. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I get to preach Jesus. I get to serve Jesus because of his grace. It is an honor, not a chore, that I'm following Jesus. And so because of God's great love for me, he chose me. I didn't deserve it. And that's how we need to look at God's work today. It's not a chore. It's not a have to. It's not something that God has assigned us, go out and do this work because I need somebody to do it. It's not something that Pastor Jack has assigned. I need someone to do this, and you're the chosen person. Okay, all right, I'll do it. It's a get to. We get to serve God. Because of God's great love for me, he's allowed me to be one of his servants. Now, we do a lot at the Avenue Baptist Church in order to show God's love, and, and I always brag about our church. We feed the hungry, we house the homeless, we offer free medical care to those without insurance, we take care of each other with our benevolence fund, we play basketball with children and teens and do more, and many of you are involved in that ministry, so I hope you see it as a get-to and not a have-to. I get to feed the hungry. I get to house the homeless in Jesus' name. I get to play basketball with teenagers. I, I get to 
to, to tell people about Jesus. Paul saw his service to God as an example of God's grace. Not as a chore, not as a job, not as something he had to do, but I get to do this because I'm one of God's people. Thirdly, Paul also, in a very daily way, not just a one-time God showed grace on me when he saved me, but on a daily way, he said, by God's grace, he allows me to approach him. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Because you and I have faith in God, and because of God's grace, you and I have the freedom to approach God in prayer, knowing that God is interested, that he wants to hear from us, and, and that he will always take our call and listen to us. So just like serving, Paul didn't see prayer as a religious exercise, something I have to do when I get up in the morning, something I have to do by going to a prayer meeting. He, he thought of it as an example of God's grace. By God's grace, we can approach God with absolute confidence, knowing that he loves us. You and I, because of God's grace, on a daily basis, we get to talk to the creator, the king of the entire universe. And it's not a job, that's not a have to, that's not a religious check off on my to-do list, yes, I prayed today. It, it's an example of God's grace. He allows me to talk to him. I have contacted, and probably so have you, because I, I, I send letters to people, and I send emails to people, and, and I call people. I have contacted many, many, many important people in my life. I'm talking presidents, senators, congressmen and women, I've never once received a call back. I'll occasionally get a standard reply letter, and then usually I'm on their list for life every time they need money. I get one of those letters as well, or emails as, as, as well. But I never have had a personal reply, and honestly, if a president or a senator or a congressman were to call me, I'd probably think it was one of you playing a trick on me if that were to actually happen. I don't expect that from them. Besides, it doesn't bother me because I get to talk to their boss, their king, their creator, and he's always interested in me, and he always listened to me. Sometimes he tells me, Jack, you're wrong. You're thinking about this wrong. But he loves me enough to be interested in my life, and, and, and it's an example of God's grace. Now, you all know, because I invite you just about every week to come to, to a prayer meeting, I don't want you to see it as, as a religious exercise that Pastor Jack says we have to do. We get to gather together on Wednesday nights and ask for God's blessings upon our church, and it is a great thing. You and I get to go to God every morning in prayer and talk to Him, and He talks to us. He listens to us. He cares in a way that no human being ever can. So, by God's grace, He allows me to approach him, and, and number four, by God's grace, he says, my suffering is for your glory. My suffering is an example of God's grace because it helps you. I ask you, therefore, verse 13, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So understand what he's thinking. Hey, I know you love me. I know you're worried about me. But don't let it get you down. Don't be discouraged by the fact 
that I am imprisoned because what I am doing is living out the, the, the act of God's love. It started with him. He loved me. He called me to love him. He died for me, and he loved you, and so he sent me to tell you about his love. And if I have to suffer a little bit along the way, why should I be different than Jesus? Remember that Jesus suffered far more than any other human being. And so all of this is working out in order to tell you about God. And so even my suffering, now think about it, because we suffer, we whine, we moan, we complain. If we're in jail, we're not praising God. We're calling the lawyers, get me out of here. You know, we'd even call the ACLU if we thought they could help. I mean, we call anybody and everybody and say, this is horrible, this is terrible, God help me. And Paul said, this is an example of God's grace because I get to stop and I get to sit down and I get to write you what turned out to be Paul's masterpiece, the book of Ephesians, and tell you about God. This is not my suffering, this is your glory. And it's an example of God's grace. We forget, until sometimes years after the fact, that our suffering might very well be used to tell others about God and to bring another person into the kingdom. So listen, Paul didn't just preach God's grace. He lived it. And he didn't just see it as a one-time thing. Years ago when I was a little boy, God saved me. Or in his case, years ago when, when I was in my early 30s, God saved me. He thought of it as everything that came his way. Everything that happened in his life was part of God's love and grace for him. Now, 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 sometimes the church forgets that. And we act like love is something to be doled out only to those who deserve it. Sometimes we act like serving God is a drudgery. That prayer and prayer meetings are just a religious exercise. That suffering is meaningless, never even considering the fact that this is all part of God's plan, which is based on God's grace. So I want you to think about your own life and how the things that happen to you on a daily basis are part of God's grace and part of God's plans for you. And that's a totally different way of looking at life than the, 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 the prevalent American attitude of it's all about me. And even in the church, we sometimes forget that. So how do we learn to live like Paul did in this constant awareness of God's grace? I want to share with you two things, but I want to tell you, look to your eyes. What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? Because if you really want to live in the constant awareness of God's grace, there's just two simple things that you need to do, and you know these things already because they're built into the two greatest commandments. And you know these things already because I talk every week about who we are. We love God, we love people, we follow Jesus. And so the first is that we turn our eyes and look first to God and His Word, His ways, and His thoughts. If life is all about me, then I will resent time taking from me to serve God. I will resent money taken from me to be given to God. I will resent nights taken from my projects to go to prayer meeting to work on one of God's projects. But if I'm learning to love God 
and I look first to Him, I understand that because of God's grace, I get to work for Him. Not that I have to, but I get to. And suddenly, for me, life has some purpose other than put money in Jack's account and go have fun. I get to do something that started with, in the beginning, God, and continued with, He is alive, and carries over into today, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. I've got something to live for that is way beyond me and mine. And so my life has real meaning. And so as long as I can continue to remind myself, commandment number one, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength is what I need to be, and I look first to Him, then this all makes sense, and I can see how God is working things out on a daily basis. But if I'm looking to me instead of God, man, this is a pain. This is a hassle. This is challenging. Life is tough. There are are all kinds of problems every day, and every day it seems like there is a new one. If I'm looking to me, I'm never satisfied. If I'm looking to God, I can see God has me as part of His plan, and that's pretty cool. So you look first to God in His Word, in His ways, and His thoughts. And then secondly, you look to others and our impact on them. We're about to start, actually we started yesterday with a three-on-three basketball tournament. We, we started our basketball season. And I could, and I'll tell you honestly, on bad days sometimes I do, look at basketball season as a huge hassle. For the next eight weeks, my Saturdays will be taken up with me wearing a striped black and white shirt and allowing everybody in the gymnasium to look upon me as the enemy. I will be yelled at for calls that I made, and I will be yelled at for calls that I don't make. Teenagers will take seven steps and then curse under their breath when I call them for traveling. You'll be able to hear this across the whole gymnasium, and I'll call a foul, and the coach will yell, he never touched him, and make me out to be the bad guy. And I could go home and whine to Don, and I'm not going to tell you if I've ever done this or not, but I could go home and whine to Don and say, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I don't know why I'm doing this, I'm 63 years old, why should I still have to referee? And after I get done whining and go to prayer, God will remind me, you know exactly why you're doing this, Jack. Yes, you're a lousy referee, but... But, because you're out there doing it, 125, 130, 140, 150 children and teenagers are going to hear about God's love this season. So your feet may ache, people may yell at you, they may scream at you, but... Because you are out there, and the coaches are out there, and the other referees are out there, and the snack bar workers are out there, and because people set up, and people cleaned up, and keep people kept score, and counted the fouls, because of everything that people in your church did, there will be new members of your family, God's family. And so as long as I can keep those two things in the proper perspective, 
I look first to God, and then I look next to others and our impact on them. Then I can live in this constant awareness of God's grace. And I tell you this almost every week, that's the heart of who we are. We love God, and we love people, and we follow Jesus. And when we live that, it all makes sense. And we can see the working of God's grace on a regular basis. You know the names, by the way, of some of these basketball players. It's kind of cool yesterday because we had this, this kind of a, a fun three-on-three tournament. And so some of the graduates from years back came out and played basketball with us. And it was neat to hear them tell the younger ones about this program and how great it was. And we got several. By the way, Quincy. Some of you will remember Quincy. Um, one of the best basketball players ever in our league, he's going to come back and signed up yesterday to be a coach in our league, which I just think is, is so cool. And Marlon, some of you will remember him, is going to be a coach in our league. And Chris is going to be a coach in our league. And, 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 and I was talking to, to Quincy. I said, now remember, we have a lot of fun in the gym, but we also have this thing called church on Sunday mornings across here. Quincy, are you here? Keep praying for him. He's a believer now because of our basketball program. He was baptized in our church because of our basketball program. That's worth a little bit of sore feet and people yelling and screaming because of what God has done. And as long as I keep those things in mind, I'm okay. And as long as the church, we can keep those things in mind, we're okay. That's the heart. We love God, we love people, and the principle of joy, J-O-Y, keeping ourselves in proper perspective, Jesus first, J, others second, O, then yourself. And when we live in that proper perspective, J-O-Y, then we're living in the spirit of God's grace. Amen. Hey, listen, I, I want you to understand, though I kind of laughingly and said this is a rabbit, we all need rabbits like that. Let me tell you about how God's grace, not just in the big biblical way, but in my life, is how God is still active. And even on my worst day when I'm in prison and, 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 and I can't come out and preach and I can't hang out with people and I barely got enough food to eat and I don't know if I'm ever going to get out, even my worst day, I'm a living testimony of God's grace. That, that's how we want to live. And that's how I encourage you to live. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net, or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you, and may God bless you and your family.